welcome to The Clean Project, promoting real, transparent, and faithful conversations about purity and sexuality in today's culture. This month, we have a special crossover episode from Solomon's Not Podcast of ForCampus.org, a ministry of NC State that I hosted previously to launching The Clean Project. In this episode, me and a student guest, Harold, unpacked issues relating to the growing sexuality on the college campus, including issues of sin and salvation, and what it all means to the person seeking to live a morally pure life in today's culture. So, without further delay, let's get to our show. Today we're going to talk about a few things, but before we begin, uh, catch us up with what maybe some of the journey you've been on since we started the podcast. Honestly, it's mostly been like, had a lot of spiritual and emotional growth, and also academic growth. Um, like, I know I'm in my second year, but I'm already a, a junior, so it's like God has guided me and been faithful in that. Nice. And um, there's just been other things as well in my personal life that like, I've grown in faith. Hey man, I don't I don't know if you know this or not, but that episode that we cut early, I think it was like episode two, that is the most downloaded episode. Isn't that crazy? I, I still don't believe you there. Like dude, I've had like doctorate level theologians me. on here. I've interviewed atheists and you dude, yours, because we talked about like um it was like student life during COVID. We talked about evolutionary theory. Man, like that is the most downloaded episode. That's so crazy. Really? I think this one's gonna. I think this one's gonna be even higher than that. That's what no, I think. No, no way. Like I still sit there wondering how does how did yours? I thought I was gonna get like two, three downloads, but a nah, hundred. Yeah, dude. God, like, God thinks you're pretty special, bro. That's that. Dude, look, hmm. we are so close. We are close to a thousand downloads. Like I have done a thousand downloads on the whole show. Oh yeah. Like look, guys, we need to bust past the thousand download marker. I have not done any marketing. This is all word of mouth. Well, oh, bro, I, the only thing I've done when it comes to sharing the episode was like sending it to like 10 people. That's about it. I just shared it to a few people. That's about if it. If you're on NC State, share this with other students. This is all for you guys. I'm doing this for the students here. I'm not, a, hey, I applied to NC State. They rejected me. So God put me in University of North Carolina at Greensboro. <laughs> UNCG, Charles Spartan right here. Praise the Lord. Man, dude, like, <laughs> yeah, State. I don't know, there's a lot of engineering students. Like, there's like, it just depends on what track. I think you're like a biology major. So it, it might've been more competitive. Yeah, I was a biology, yeah. I'm a biology major. It's like, like, I'm not salty. I'm not salty at, at NC State. Yeah, man, hey, maybe come back here for grad school and then you can get the next higher degree. Better. I like how I'm, I'm already thinking about grad school. So I'm already thinking about that. Awesome. I'm really proud of you, man. I know where you were from high school and just your first year in college and during COVID. I know it's not easy, but you, you made it. And now you're, you know, on your second year, just more momentum. I'm seeing a lot more maturity and growth. I remember before you're a little shy and now you're coming out and you're just, you know, dropping bombs and nuggets. So I think we have a pretty good show coming up today. So I think the last time we talked, we decided to, to hit a few areas. One was uh, sin, uh, just student life, what's happening on the campuses. And actually, I'm going to I'm gonna talk about something that I had read a story about that I was a little shocked by. So apparently because of Valentine's Day, what colleges are doing is they're co-opting that into a form of, they call it sex week. And this is basically just sexual morality on display and that kind of interweaves with you know the transgender and LGBTQA and all kinds of other kind of just pagan type things that we're going to unpack. So yeah, that's something I wanted to address at least. And then maybe I uh, just kind of will freestyle on different topics, whether it's, you know, the gospel or I haven't thought about overcoming rejection, like what we can do for the campus minister and some of the pushback, how you can kind of overcome those limitations or the negativity towards our faith to firm up our, our ministry. But 
What, what did you want to talk about? Whatever was best for you, let me go one by one. Then you want to talk about the sex week. I have not heard that in my school. And what I said, I heard that oh, yeah. in my head was like, whoa, wait, what? Yeah, there's a few different variants of this, but uh, I know Ohio State University, a few of the other major universities have piggybacked off of Valentine's Day in that whole theme. And I'll give you a few examples here. Like there's the Sex Extravaganza, the Freaky Friday, Beginner's Guide to Pleasure, a General Diversity Gallery. And then uh, one of the universities created this game called Condom Bingo. Yeah. So this is all in the name of Student Advocates for Sexual Health Awareness. It's basically educating students on some of the various aspects of sexual expression and interweaving some of these practices of polymorphy and just open-ended relationships, which I think is very dangerous when you're thinking about how young people now are turning to firm up their identities and there should be there to study. They should be there to grow and focus on becoming the best version of themselves and, and pursuing a career. So now I don't know if you ever heard of any of that or if that's been an issue on the campus. Like, absolutely. Really? None of this has been an issue and UECG, wow. again, University of North Carolina at Greensboro. Like, when I first hear all that, the first thing I'm thinking is, okay, I have, like, a few questions. Like, for example, is this what it looks like? I'm all for hearing your opinions and all, but at the same mm-hmm. time, as a Christian who's already rooted in biblical sexuality, I'm going to save myself from marriage. I don't need to know anything mm-hmm. else for that. Here's here's a question to ask is for people that aren't saved or people that don't have a, a natural law or a moral authority or some type of existential judge, or if you don't realize that this is a problem, what's from stopping you from taking it to its most extreme form? And so like, why should people be ashamed of expressing themselves sexually when the law says that they're adults? And so I think this kind of leads us into conversation about sin. What is sin and how does that tie with issues of sexual morality or lust and some of these other issues that uh, young people are Mm -hmm. exposed to in our culture? Yeah. So what's stopping um, adults from doing all sorts of things immorally Mm -hmm. if they don't have God? Simple answer is either society or conscience or nothing. And two of those mm. three are easily corruptible. Wow. If you want to know what is sin, sin is a simple definition, disobeying the law of God, which wow. is something that is in our human nature. And without God to guide us through his Holy Spirit and without the blood of Christ to purify mm. us for forgiveness of all sins, past, present, and future, mm-hmm. we're just living in the, in the world. And in, in reality, we're just living in the world nihilistically where nothing can really stop wow. us if we decide not to be afraid of consequences of society wow. or consciousness. Like, for example, they say it takes a career criminal. The hardest crime they make is the first one. But as they do it more and more, mm. they get used to it. They think it's normal. I think a common example people do deal with this every single day in humanity is uh, sexual immorality. Yeah. Or watching videos on, on the internet that, you, that no one should be watching. Or even making them mm. in some cases. Or distributing them. It's like the scriptures is clear. This is wrong. Human nature desires for the wrong. And eventually, those who do not have God, they really don't have anything except for like the scientific data that that porn is bad to stop them Mm. but once they fall in that one time and they don't try to do anything about it there's not really anything stopping them from going and going and going to the point where it's just normal and i 
this this is my hypothesis or theory. I would be curious to know if there's any data proven in that. What I just said there could be the biggest reason why there's a big movement to um, normalize porn and masturbation. Or just human trafficking or child porn, all the different aspects of that as well. I mean, that could be like a two or three part podcast episode, especially how the brain kind of rewires itself the longer you're addicted to this content. Look, hey, I've struggled with this. It affects 70, 80% of men, uh, 20, 30 percent of women 90 percent of men actually i was just thinking in the church but yeah if you think about it culturally i mean it's probably about the same if not higher and the fact that yeah i was thinking like sexual morality is like something that's like probably the, like the devil's most powerful weapon mm. especially in a modern age where we got internet like the less accountability you have in this issue the mm. harder you'll fall in it i kind of want to bring this up because this is an important topic you know from a biblical standpoint the christian worldview and i would even argue that the science and the culture is kind of caught up to this because they're able to analyze the patterns or seeing how it's affecting younger people, their inability to kind of mature and grow mm -hmm. through natural stages of development, puberty, and, you know, just kind of the normal social relationship communications between men and women. And they're starting to see this behaviorally as younger people are getting addicted to the pornography and just some of the societal and generational issues in the home. But basically, look, when we're talking about sin. And we mentioned earlier, it's a failing to miss the goal or the mark. It's rooted in a desire or a selfish urge to act on our own benefit at the expense of others. And so like when we're pleasuring ourselves, we're, we're not realizing the people on the other side of that camera may be addicted to drugs, could mm -hmm. have been trafficked to get there. And here's the thing based on the scripture, the truth of God's word, that those are actually sons and daughters and that those men and women belong to whoever God has set apart for them, whether it's a future husband or a future wife. And look, I, I think here, here's where I want to start. It kind of goes back to the fall in the garden because the fall adequately explains why sin emerged. What we see is that the serpent comes in, deceives Eve, basically saying, hey, you could be like God. If you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll know how to discern right from wrong. And you could essentially judge. And this is the problem that we're having with the human condition now is everyone's looking for justice and everyone wants to create this new world where we're going to get rid of any negative influence. You got to start with rewriting all the rules. That's where we run into problems. But then fast forward, we see since Adam and Eve had sinned, what resulted in that is a corruption of God's word. And we see this kind of vividly in the Ten Commandments, like you should not make any other gods or counterfeit gods. There's only one God. You should not kill. You should not murder. You should not steal. You shall not covet. And essentially, you shall not violate what is pure and what is holy and set apart because that is actually what's good for us. And so, you know, Romans 5.14 Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who was a type of who was to come, who was Jesus. Um, matter of fact, do you have anything to respond to that? No, I just I pretty much agree with everything you said. Nothing really. But you agree with it because you believe in the same, you believe there is a higher authority or a, a law or a commandment written on our mm -hmm. heart. Why would a non-believer probably reject this premise? You know, oh, I'm doing this for pleasure. I'm not hurting this person. This person's not married. Like I, that seems moral. Like I'm not violating. They're single. I'm single. I'm an adult. Why can't I make that decision if I'm just wearing a condom and practicing safe sex? Why can't I masturbate? I'm not hurting anyone. I'm just watching porn, right? Like where do you draw the line? So like, are you asking where where I draw the line between um, using my biblical values to to promote what's right and saving it later for when I preach in the gospel? Where do we draw the line between? what is considered immoral and by what standard do we differentiate between things that are sinful and things that are part of our human condition and our experience? Why can't I do the things that I want to do, even if I'm not quote unquote hurting my neighbor? Well, 
if you're hurting yourself, that's a problem. Right. That's good. Also, whether or not you believe that God's real or not, he's real. And he does have, you know, judgment for all of us. Mm. The biggest difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is that a Christian's forgiven. Mm. And they're set to a better path. Right. While the non-Christians is basically like everyone else. Everything that a immoral person is immoral, that's just human nature. Sometimes they nurture it to make it even worse. Mm. But in the same time, it's like, there are many things where like our Christian values and the society's morality has overlapped. Mm. In the future, that overlapping might decrease. Right, it might spread decrease, out further apart. Yeah. More. yeah, some will argue that it's spreading further apart now, especially mm. with those um, sexuality It seems issues. like in, you know, here's the thing. Every college campus is going to have students that are going to be there to work hard, be productive. And then you're going to have some students that may be there more for the experience and just kind of want to enjoy the the freedoms that they have. I think maybe you'll have some students kind of in between, like, hey, all the pressure from school, they want to find an outlet. And in that outlet, the party scene or the social scene or a relationship or experimenting with, you know, sex or drugs or different. What do you say to those students that may feel the urge to experiment or to, to get lost in some of these other uh, lifestyles? And how do you actually encourage them to pursue a higher call, maybe even a, a relationship with God personally? What do you say to those students? So we're talking about non-believing students, right? Or both. What do you say to the non-believer and what do you say to the Christian or someone that has been raised going to church or espousing a certain moral beliefs and kind of encouraging them to stay on the course or on the path? Yeah, those two, I would actually say two different things to different people mm. because like, I don't really expect a blind person to see if you mm. get the if you get the algorithm I'm trying to make. But what I would say to both of them is, do you think you'll be able to go back or do you think mm. you'll be able to withstand the consequences of these actions? Mm. Like, for example, the person that says, I want to experiment in sex of all kinds of people is like... Or just make my own decisions. Like, I want to be able to make decisions for myself. I don't need a God to do that. I can be moral on my own. Well, if you want to make up your own sense of morality, that's all in your head. It's not a legitimate sense of morality. Mm. It's, like, it's basically what you think or feel. In many, in right. many it cases. Does, it's not based on a standard. It's based on your own personal subjective view or feeling as to what mm -hmm. you consider to be right or wrong. Yeah. And as long as you're not hurting your neighbor or violating the law, it seems to be justified, correct? Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, how do you define hurting your neighbor? Right. So, and that's really important. And I'll just, I'll point to the word. When Jesus was challenged on this, he pointed back to the law. Deuteronomy, as well as I think in Leviticus, and he ties those two together. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and strength, and you shall love your neighbors yourself. It's a vertical, horizontal, right? Mm -hmm. We have to love ourselves as much as we love God. And by loving ourselves, we are loving our neighbor. And so if we're hurting ourselves or we're holding ourselves to a standard that we create, not realizing that could be hurting our neighbor, like such as the people in these pornographic videos who may be caught in this lifestyle and not realizing that's going to be someone's wife or husband one day. That's someone's daughter or son. And now you're, as a voyeur, engaged in this, even though you're not physically there, now you're actually contributing to this destructive lifestyle, which also feeds into human trafficking, the illicit drug trade. Child molesting. Yeah, child molestation, all the different trafficking there. What can we use as a backstop to say, hey, you can't do this because basically you're engaging in behavior that's going to be destructive to you 
and society as a whole? Like, what do you say to that person and how do you encourage them to follow a better, higher path? So as of like right now, in our current time, if you show most of them that they're contributing to something really bad, they chances are they might try to run away from it. So mm-hmm. in the case of, like I said, some person says he wants to experiment in um, porn and, uh, or sex and all, you may do that, but at the same time, like, what if you get chlamydia or what if you get like an unwanted pregnancy and now you have to take a life mm-hmm. of an abortion or be a parent? Those are consequences you can't undo. Even if you get cured for chl- chlamydia HIV, that's still going to be something that might haunt you, even medically as well, right. or financially. Right. And there's also like what you said, like, why can't I watch porn all day? Well, because porn is fake and it's nasty. Wow. Well, nasty is my you know, religious thing. And it's, but- and it's rewiring your brain circuits as well. Exactly. Yeah. It's fake and it's rewiring your brain. Like for- This is a good point. So basically a reason to not engage in it instead of like, because I think bringing up the health issue, bringing up the fact that it's doing damage to other people, like that might be what someone intellectually, you know, understand, but behaviorally it's a brain problem. You're becoming addicted to this form of like self-gratification. It's a drug. It's a drug, right? And so, and mm-hmm. I think science has caught up to this. They can basically analyze all the neurocircuitry and how it ties to certain images. And like, I think the experience is similar to someone doing cocaine or like a harder drug. Like there has to be like a regulation there. And what you're doing is increasing that to like levels that the brain is not normally supposed to be able to produce because the way the films are are shot, the the different elements, the visual elements behind that. The industry is billions of dollars and they figured out how to do that. The issue that I think we should make from a biblical standpoint, it's not just that it's immoral because you're violating so many aspects. It's idolatry, sexual morality, the fact that that it's coveting. But here's something else to consider is you're damaging yourself. Mm -hmm. And from a health perspective, you'll go to the gym, if you want to be in relatively good shape, you won't eat certain foods, whether you're going vegan or whether you're conscious about some of the environmental and sustainability issues. But it's almost like we're not making the case for why God's ways are better. If we're always attacking the problem and why people shouldn't do something because it's wrong, shouldn't we as followers of Jesus make a case for why God's ways are better? Absolutely. You've actually hit the market. You don't change people's mind by telling them what you're against. You change people's minds by telling them what you're for. Wow. Wow. That's good. Can you say that again? Yeah. You don't change people's minds by showing them what you're against. You change people's minds by telling them what you're for and living that out. Wow. That's good. Um, for Christians or not Christians, you're invited too. There's a good group of brothers and sisters called Campus Crew. They're a good ministry and they talk about the faith and they'll love you and be with you, you know, all the way. But here's the thing. If you're a Christian, ask yourself this. Are you a Christian because of the faith of other people or is it because of your personal relationship with Christ and that Christ saved you from hell? Wow. Wow. It's saving you from your own works-based moral ascent. When we talk about salvation, we are, as human beings, we're incapable of setting our own moral standards and living up to them. We need an example of someone that lived it out perfectly. And we see this in the person of Jesus. These gospels, it's written as an historical account. Hey, he performed these miracles and you could talk to these people and you could go to these spots and you could find them. And there's power behind the word. There's people thousands of years later that are reading these that are coming to this personal encounter and revelation of truth in the form of the person, Jesus Christ, through dreams, through visions. And so when we talk about community, it's not a sense of feeling of belonging. There's power and wisdom that flows through these communities that is breathed out by the spirit of God. And I know that's a, that's a lot to take in, but I feel like those are things that we, we talk about the intellectual, but we don't talk about the power 
in the presence of God. And what that means when he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's a comforter and a healer and a guide. He's going to keep you from walking into the path of destruction into sin and temptation if we stay true to his teachings word. And you know what will we gain? Imagine getting through college, completing your education, but with a level of understanding and humility and identity to where you're going to the world now, not scared of failure, not scared of being alone. On behalf of the Clean Project and the team at Vulnerability Labs, we want to thank you for your faithful viewership as we hope to launch more content in the coming year. If you haven't already RSVP'd for our upcoming live event, please sign up on our website at www.thecleanproject.net and send us an email with questions you would like to ask our guest speaker. We'll be discussing issues of morality and purity for today's youth, including resources and prayer to equip you in the clean journey. Now, let's get back to our guest. Last, uh, maybe some scripture resources you want to drop on some of the students. What, what do you say? Uh, Proverbs 4, 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Acquire wisdom and with all you're requiring, get understanding. Mm, that's good. That is a principle one should always live by. Mm. Listen before you talk. That should be intellectual and personal. Wow. Intellectual, I think it's obvious, but with personal, I'll connect it to personal. If you want to preach to someone will really hit them in the heart most of the time is living out your life and being the best Christian you could be and being the best friend you could be. Mm. Take them out. Like, for example, take them out to lunch one day, invite them over and hang out and, and then talk about life and purpose and tell them the good words. Walking with people, essentially. Yeah. Wow. Especially when that's organic, when that's authentic mm -hmm. and it's not, you're not doing it just to win them over. You're doing it because yeah. you genuinely care about them. That's so good, man. And it's also like, you have to like really, really listen as well. You mm. Actually listen to what you're saying. Who knows? You actually might learn something yourself. Yeah. You might learn something intellectually or even spiritually. Who knows? Man, I, I gotta be honest. The whole theme with the ministry, you know, with Four Campus is just the listen, you know, like starting a conversation, asking a few questions to kind of create some conversation, but basically just active listening. And for someone like a communicator, like me that loves to talk, like it kind of puts me in this position where it gives people an opportunity to kind of open up, kind of bust past some of the superficial conversations and get to the heart of what they're experiencing and what they're struggling with. And I can guarantee you there are people that are struggling with some of the same topics we mentioned in this podcast form, whether it's pornography, whether it's maybe they're in a sexual relationship with another person and not realizing that it's causing damage to them, or maybe even robbing another person of their ability to focus on their schoolwork or even potentially contracting an STD or some kind. The point is, is that there's an opportunity you can gain a connection with someone in a real way that can totally change the rest of their life where they might look back later and say, you know what? I had this terrible experience in college, but then I met someone that loved me and it just so happens they believed in Jesus. Now I want to follow what they believe because I loved how they lived relative to how everyone else in my life lived. Maybe other people in your life want to go out, they want to drink, or they kind of want to just do the bare minimum to get by school so they can go have fun and figure out their life. Whereas they meet someone who's kind of put together, who's faithful and honest about their own moral struggles. And when they meet you, you're open about your faith and you're showing them how to actually walk it out. And like, that could be a, a total radical transformation for that person, you know? And so yes. Harold, last thoughts, final 10%. Yeah. What do you got to say? 10% on my phone. <laughs> so hopefully I didn't sound too nihilistic today. No. But um, this is something I've really been asking myself lately due to certain events that happened in my school. If I'm to die on a hill, what's the hill I'm willing to die on? Hmm. Everyone needs to ask themselves this. Well, be more specific. So like if, if you 
Um, if there was one thing you have to die for, what's it going to be? Mm. For me, it's the gospel. For those who don't know what it is, it's basically this. We have all done something wrong. And ever since the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, we as a species have done so many terrible things. Like you just need to look at history, see all the bad things that we've done with our corruption and all. Mm. And here's the thing. No one's perfect and we all done a mistake of some sorts and contribute to it. So what's the what's the good news then? The good news is this: there's still hope because mm. even though we're all meant for judgment, God loves us and He still cares for us. Mm. He cares for us so much that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to come and live a perfect life, mm. which He did. No sin, no regrets. Was the perfect sentient being one can be mm. and when he did come and lived the life on the world for us took the punishment that we should have gotten mm. which was death and he took it in the worst way possible on the cross and to know that his punishment atoned us and that he has won the victory he rose from the dead mm. resurrected on the third day mm. and ascended to heaven who's now creating a better kingdom and a better world for us so that one day he'll come back and he'll make everything right and he'll mm. fix all the messed up things in the world. So now the big question is, do you want to be with Christ when he makes the world a better place and fixes everything? Yeah. Wow. If so, surrender. Mm. And he'll change you for the better. It may not be easy, but it will be a process constantly changing you from the inside out to be more like him and to be more morally good and to have a personal relationship with the one who created the universe. Yeah. Or multiverse, if you believe in that. You know, we we say that, and maybe people who are listening have probably been to a church service or you grew up hearing that. Look, we talked about sin. If anyone's ever stolen anything, lied, cheated, in your heart, have lusted after another person, it's sin. Or watch porn. Or watch porn. Yeah. Or when we're talking about sin is we've fallen short of God's perfect standard. Mm-hmm. And therefore... There has to be a reconciliation to God to get our hearts right again. Well, we're never going to do that on our own. And so to receive Jesus, our Lord, is acknowledging that God's ways are supreme and putting our faith and trust in his word, which we see demonstrated through his son, Jesus, who is equal to God. So when Christ died on a cross, he bridged us back to God in harmony, which we should have been in from the beginning. We talked about Adam and Eve in the fall. We get that reconciliation now to where, yes, we might continue to fall short. We're still subject to this human flesh. We're still, still going to, but when we get transformed from the inside out, people see how we then live our lives out. And here's the cool thing too, is he is the guarantee that when we leave this life, when we die and we leave these skin and flesh shoots, our spirit is going to dwell with him for eternity. If we don't want a relationship with God, this side of heaven, it doesn't make any sense why we'd want one the other side of heaven, mm-hmm. you know, what we see, Jesus even talks about, there's a place of gnashing teeth, uh, the lake of fire, and people want to say, oh, well, that's wrong. The issue comes down to is separation from God is the greater judgment. It's the greater agony, fire and brimstone and gnashing of teeth and all these things. There are people that are destined for that who not only don't want a relationship, but they're actively against Jesus, who have evil inside of them that's unrepentant. And so I leave that to God to ultimately judge between those that are for him or not. But his word says that anybody that looks at the son sees the father, anybody that follows Christ has eternal life. If you don't want anything to do with Jesus, why is any of this bothering you? You're going to continue to live the way you want and you're going to be wise in your own eyes and be your own form of justice. And the only thing I'd say is by what standard? 
how are you measuring good from bad? And is this shared by the rest of the world? Is this shared by billions of people in the world that may fundamentally disagree with you? And where do you reconcile this to? Well, we have to believe that there's a higher order. There's a natural law. There's a commandment written on our heart. You've hit that ball way out the... And I'm just going to read to you a segment from John 3 mm. to add to back up what you're saying. Close us out, man. Yeah, John 3, 16 to 21. For God so loved the world mm. that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Mm. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds are evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God, end quote. Brothers and sisters, when Christ died and rose from the dead for us, he did it for all of our past, present, and future sins. So you may have things to lose if you surrender to him, but the end reward will be so beautiful. Thank you for listening to another exciting episode of The Clean Project. If you found this message helpful, consider sharing it with a like-minded student or peer in your communities of interest. Consider becoming a financial partner to the project by visiting www.thecleanproject.net slash support for more details. If you're needing individual coaching for combating porn and sexual addiction, please visit the support page of our website for a free personal coaching session. So until next episode, this is your host, Jason, signing off. Peace.